Welcome to this episode of the Movie Geeks United Oscar series. Fiona Crombie just received her first nomination for her outstanding production design in The Favorite. In this conversation, we chat with Miss Crombie about the challenges of crafting a period piece on a budget, how her sets were designed to reflect and define character, and her collaborations with other members of the crew in molding a consistent look for the film. Dearest Queen, you are mad, giving me a palace. It is a monstrous extravagance, Mrs. Molly, we are at war. We won! Oh, it is not over, we must continue. Oh! Oh, I did not know that. How does it feel to be an Oscar nominee? <laughs> um, it feels fantastic to be an Oscar nominee. I'm very happy and um, I'm a bit weary today. It was quite a big day yesterday. Um, but yeah, I'm delighted. It's always interesting to me how people find their passions in life. And I'm wondering how this field, this field of work, of production design, how it suited you and how you fell into it. Well, my father was a film director in Australia, and so I was raised, um, I mean, I can't say I was raised on film sets, I didn't go to them all the time, but I was certainly taken out onto location, and I saw I saw the way that my father worked, I saw this kind of, you know, um, community of people making something, and I always thought that was really interesting, and I, and I was always fascinated by the set. And always, and costumes actually, I was always like just sort of seeing the kind of artifice, like walking behind and seeing how something wasn't real or going inside houses and finding that, you know, their internal structure was, you know, like how all of that stuff um, was really magical to me. So I didn't think, I don't think I ever thought, oh, I'm going to be a production designer when I grow up or anything like that. But I remember it was a world that was quite um captivating and I I loved hearing my father and my mother was in the film industry as well I, I loved hearing them talk about film and um and then it just yeah it carried on yeah and this work that you've done for the favorite it it's just I mean first of all it's an astounding movie and and I, I believe your work is such an essential part of what makes it such an exceptional film but this is such a unique project because you know it's not your, it's not some stodgy costume <laughs> drama. It's, yeah. it's very, it's very outside the box. So uh, yeah. I, I'm curious how that approach dictated your work on the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think that like everything comes down to what's written on the page. You know, the, I mean, it's a combination really. I mean, you know, like it depends so much on the director but also I really feel that the the words that were written just immediately led me to a place where I knew that I had creative freedom, that we weren't going to make something that was, yeah, I mean, too, I mean, it was in a way it's sort of slightly dishonoring the past, you know, and it it's playful and, you know, it's um, like all of that was in, in the words. It's in the phrasing, the way that the, you know, the dialogue is written, it's in, um, scripted elements that we knew didn't exist and so that just meant that we could really play with things and turn them on their head um, mm. you know without kind of making it we also didn't want it to feel like it was you know 
I didn't want it to feel like it wasn't real. I wanted feel, to pe- for, for people to, you know, feel that everything we were doing was, you know, true and consistent with the world that we were creating. So nothing was going to pop out and clash. But, you know, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I, I, I'm sure it felt kind of like a, a delicate balance because this is, yeah, it, like I said, this is a film that is not typical for this genre, just the tone of it. Um, and yet you don't, like you said, you don't want to distract, but I, I, I understand that a lot of your visual inspirations that you called upon were not necessarily from this period. No, I mean, it was, there was, there were really two threads. So we did follow, we did absolutely look at what was correct for the period. And we looked at, you know, the styles of furniture and styles of, you know, different sorts of fabrics. And so we sort of understood that. And we certainly looked at a lot of architectural illustrations and a lot of paintings. And we looked at those for things like the floral arrangement, you know, tableware, like all those little details. Um, but we also looked at contemporary photography. We looked at, you know, like all manner of different things. When I start a project, I always cast quite a wide net. I work with a visual researcher. And we really try to put together almost like an emotive response, like an initial impulse response um, at the very beginning. And I find that through that, you kind of find recurring themes, you know, whether it's color palette or, you know, approach to space or, you know, certain things just like, in other words, I start to repeat myself with the pictures that I find. And I, and that's sort of what happened, um, what happened with this one. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of uh, monochromatic, color palette that you went with was that developed early do you know what that actually developed um it was it was certainly during pre-production and in in many ways that was a reaction to speaking to sandy powell and yorgos and understanding that they wanted to go that way with the costume and then that led me to thinking about how my part in this would have to you know they everything needs to sit together and it's that kind of cohesion that I was talking about before that you want to make sure that you feel like everything sits within the same universe in a way. And so mm. we decided the best approach was to be, um, yeah, really minimal with our colors, like really, um, so we only used gold fabrics and we were very, um, we only used wooden furniture and inlaid furniture and, you know, sort of we, we kept the palette very tight and we were also warm. We went with warm colours to sort of sit next to Sandy so that there was a, like they sat away from what was going on in the background. And um, I really, I think it was a really, I mean, it was sort of an impulse and I, I'm so glad we did it because there's sort of an economy to the way that the film looks. Mm-hmm. It's not too, um, you know, it's not too busy. It's busy because of the scale and the, the way that um, the rooms are, but it's not overwhelming you know it's not distracting yeah and like you said i i think a lot of the the color uh the really color in the film is is from the performances um yeah. and, and some yeah. of the more extreme behavior so so i yeah. think if if you had a if you had a a setting that mirrored that it would just take a take away from those central performances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in a way, what's really beautiful about those people is their silhouette as well. You know, you're looking at these mm. fantastic shapes, whether it's wigs and, 
you know, the, the shapes of the garments. And, you know, we want to frame. I always want to frame performance and frame actors. I don't want to distract from that at all. Yeah. And you had mentioned Sandy Powell. And I, uh, it's a question I had because I would think the work that you do is, is so intrinsic and, and complementary to the work of the costume designer, the, the work of the cinematography, how it's, how it's shot. Yeah. So can you give me a sense of what that collaboration is throughout the process for you between you and the other disciplines? Well, I think what the, the main thing is that we just have to always share our discoveries. And so, you know, when Sandy hit upon something that she thought would work really well, she would share it with us and, you know, we would do the same. And so we would always be communicating, sending samples, sending references. And, you know, we visited her workroom and we would look at, you know, uh, her samples and what she was doing. And and then with um, Robbie, there was a lot of, you know, just conversation about approach. Like it was really important for, for the art department to really facilitate the movement to make sure there was space and that there was a way, you know, because the movement of the camera is so important in the film. So we had to really think about that, you know, how to, you know, like, I mean, we weren't really interested in putting too much furniture in anyway because there's something lovely about a spare, an enormous spare space. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so we talked about, like, just allowing for camera movement. But also then when, when we did camera tests, that was really informative because we saw not only, you know, what we needed to give Robbie for lighting, like in turn we had to light the film with candles, but also just how much we were going to see of the spaces and how they were going to operate the camera really helped us know what we needed to deliver. That is, that is another interesting, that, that this was made uh, much like a Barry Lyndon. It was, it was made in, in large part by candlelight. Um, yeah. And I would think that cam- candlelight, well, I know it does. It illuminates surroundings much differently than, than natural light or you know, a, light, a, yeah. a light bulb. Uh, mm-hmm. So that I, I'm sure you had to take that into account too when determining the color palette. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing I I really felt strongly that we should always keep the floors bare. So we took away, and that was for an impulse that was to do with not ever making them feel too plush. I didn't want I want I like the idea of the the floors having a hardness and a sheen, and again, that's bouncing light. And so we always, you know, that all the furniture has a, has a kick. So we're trying to get kicks off surfaces. We have mirrors in the room. And again, that's kicking light. And the huge fireplaces, we use them all the time. And they're all light sources. And so we did look for opportunities. It's like, you know, with Sandy, with her costumes, it's her, her, her fabrics. They just have an, a slight sheen. You know, they're going to pick up something and have interest for the camera. And... Um, so we did look for ways to, yeah, like capitalize on the, on the, the candlelight and just so that it would bounce off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there, if you were to teach a class on production design, is there a particular set or scene in this film that, that you would call upon to, to impart some kind of lesson? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, I think that probably in many ways, uh, I think the rooms, the thing that was interesting about working um, in a location like Hatfield House, which is where we shot um, the Queen's Bedchamber and Sarah's 
bedchamber. And um, is that I mean, what we had to do was we had to capitalize on on what was on offer from that house, and then work out how to bring it into our story. So it was quite a nice discipline to walk around and work, you know, like look at that place and think, okay, what works for us and what doesn't. We don't, we don't have a lot, we didn't have a lot of money on the film. And so we had to be clever about where to put our resources. And I think that that is what I would teach, um, you know, a class. It's like mm-hmm. work out what your assets are and then embellish them. So if, you know, for example, um, the, there's beautiful wood panelling at Hatfield House we replicated it, we brought it into Sarah's bedroom and we built walls. Then we, when we built the secret passageway, again, we're replicating joinery, which means that you can't tell where my sets begin and end. It all yeah. feels like a continuous, you know, environment. And I think that, that way it feels bigger and it feels whole, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be, it's kind of economy in a way. Yeah, and you are a master of it because if you take into account the the very opulent look of this film, uh, you would think you guys were budgeted uh, much more generously than you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I know, I know. It was, you know, it was a small. It's a small budget. We we had, um, you know, one point three around one point three million pounds, which. You know, like the thing is that it was enough because we did it. So you can't say it wasn't enough, but it meant that we had to be, yeah, we couldn't waste anything. We had to be very careful with what we were spending money on and really, you know, believe in it. And um, so, and, you know, things were stretched. Like by the time we were doing some of the, you know, we were building the spa set, you know, we were, it was stretched. We were worrying about, can we pull this off? So, you know, we, we kind of, we just got there in the end. Yeah. And I'm sure the one thing that all filmmakers feel like they need more of is uh, time and money. I don't, I don't, I don't think everyone oh, yeah. says, I don't think anyone says, man, I have far too much time to shoot this movie. It's far too no. much money. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's the thing that's so kind of interesting about filmmaking is this constant, you know, there's like competing tensions all the time. And mm. um, it, it means that it kind of, whatever comes out of it is always interesting. Could you just give me a sense of, uh, looking at the characters of this film, h- how do you work to modify your designs to to define the contrasts between these characters? Yeah, I think the main thing um, was with Queen Anne. Her her bedchamber has a it's it's often in flux. You know, it's quite a changeable space and. Furniture moves, the bed is unmade, like it, it feel it it has a real life to that room because she's in it a lot, you know, like she's really I mean, mm-hmm. she you know, can't really get in and out easily, you know, she she needs to be helped all the time and so I really liked that that space had a fluidity to you know, and a changeability depending on her mood, whether she was playful, like with the lobster race or, you know, whatever, like it, it's it has um, it changes, and Sarah's is is more. I mean, it's it's a much straighter space in a way. Like it, it's never messy. Like it's very um, she's very tidy. It also doesn't feel necessarily like it's personal to her that room. You know, it's like she's kind of 
she's a visitor in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved making Abigail's bedroom. We built that at the bottom of the stairs in an empty room at Hatfield House and um, got a really like subtle little growth to it. You know, it starts off as, you know, just a very simple bare room. And by the time she's married, you know, she's managed to gather little bits and pieces, you know, glassware and little trays of biscuits. And, you know, she's got bedding and, you know, she's kind of feathered her nest. And so mm. that was really nice to... And then, of course, she graduates to upstairs. But um, so it was really lovely, you know, making... The whole way through, we, we did plot sort of transitions. And, and it was to do with, like, with Queen Anne's room. We often were looking at what was her state of mind, what was her health. How is that reflected in the food that's on the trays, you know, along the, t- uh, the side tables? What, what are her flowers like? Who's in control? So, you know, when it was Abigail, it's more frivolous. Um, so we did sort of, we did make our own little kind of, we charted our own paths just so that we, we felt like there was movement within the spaces that, you know, most people will never notice, but they might feel it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know you're very busy. You're swamped with, uh, with, with interviews and whatnot and, uh, because of, you know, you're part of the Oscar season now. You're an official part of it. Yeah. Uh, so I, just, I won't take up too much of your time. I just have uh, one more question for you, and it's about no working in period uh, just in general because uh, mm-hmm. you've become very adept at doing that. Your, your next film is The King, uh, which, yeah. which you know, by the stills that I've seen of the movie, definitely looks like a period piece. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you, if you kind of relish the opportunity to do, to do something more temporary, if you're going to be on the lookout for something more modern. I would love to. I would love to. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because I, the my first you know few years of working as a production designer, I, I it was all contemporary. And then with Macbeth, I was given the opportunity of doing period film. And, um, and then from there, it kind of has continued. And also living in England now, that gives you more opportunity to work in period film. Um, I do miss contemporary. I really do. I mean, there's something kind of fantastic about doing these period films with scale. And, you know, there's something really foreign. And you have to learn about, you know, history and, you know, art and, you know, architecture, and that's really interesting. But I also really love more details. I like what's under the bed. I like the keys on the, you know, like the, what is the key ring? Yeah. What's the phone case? You know, all the things that tell you, give you hints about who that character is. I, I would love to, to do some of that again, yeah. Shadow casting 
Just let me wake up in the morning To the smell of newborn hay To laugh and cry To live and die In the brightness of my day I wanna hear the pealing bells Of distant churches sing But most of all Please free me from this aching metal ring And open up this cage Towards the sun For just this skyline pigeon Dreaming of the open Waiting for the day He can spread his wings And fly away again Fly away Skyline pigeon fly Towards the things You've left so very far behind See?